Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. If country borders and grids can fascinate you and state names intrigue you, if atlases, globes, city plans, subway maps, and of course, world maps are your thing, if you can name the capital city of Namibia, and if you get giddy about flags, you are in the right place. This is Map Corner, a podcast about the love of maps brought to you by Royfield Brown and Claire Asprey. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to Map Corner. I'm Royfield Brown, who's 37.8 degrees north and 122.3 degrees west, which puts me in my beloved Oakland in California. And with me is Claire Asprey. Uh, Claire, where are you today? Like you ever move? Uh, well, uh, unsurprisingly, I'm at 52.1 degrees north and 0.5 degrees east in Bedfordshire, as I always am. And that's even before we had lockdowns. Yeah, true that, true that. Um, now, Map Corner is a podcast dedicated to the love of maps and to all things cartophilic. So if Peter's is your projection, you're in the right place. And this month, our guests are Jay Foreman and Mark Cooper-Jones, who are the excellent Map Men from the Map Men YouTube channel, YouTube videos. Um, so they're, they're going to be a lot of fun. The better be. Right now, uh, we have an audio postcard all the way from Bogota, Colombia, courtesy of Sergio Andres Malejo Tovar. And uh, don't forget, folks, to review us on Apple iTunes, because you know what? You people have been bloody mean. You know, we put this podcast up there, you know, for your delectation, the least you can do. We don't ask you for money. Write us a review. And uh, obviously, if you want to join in on our um, recordings, we've got people here on the Zoom call today. Uh, join our Facebook group and you'll get the link every month we record. First Saturday of the month. We are interviewing Jay Foreman and Mark Cooper-Jones. Now, I've said this to people um, off mic. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is proper YouTube royalty. So I want you to bow, uh, tug your forelock and welcome Jay Foreman and Mark Cooper-Jones. Right. Which came first, the friendship between the pair of you or the love of maps? It sort of came at about the same time. Uh, hello, by the way. Um, that hello. was such a wonderful introduction. The um, uh, the fact that you've referred to us as royalty now makes me feel very underdressed. <laughs> I don't know about that. He's wearing a rug. Wearing a rug is like the original garb of royalty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a, a king's mantle. 
before come to think of it, this is about the most royal that I've ever been dressed. But then does this count as my garb if I'm wearing it just for soundproofing? And the only reason it's draped over my head is because that's the only way of keeping it from falling to the floor. If only it were purple. <laughs> if it were royalty, I guess there'd be someone in here with me sort of holding it up for me and, and fanning me as well. Mm. But th this, this will do. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Um, so Mark and I, we, we often make jokes about this, that we, we get on very well, but the vast, vast majority of our time spent together is writing and making and editing Mapmen. So uh, it's a bit like we had an episode once where we joked that, you know, we never hang out. This is a purely business relationship. And that's kind of quite by accident. That's come true. But only because Map Men and making Map Men for YouTube takes up just so much time. But I had you over to my house the other day. That was a friend thing. That's true. That, that was, was officially possibly the first time that we've ever hung out, not for the purposes of making Map Men. And yet, despite that... We did eventually end up filming an advert for YouTube that same day, just because just it was so convenient. That wasn't the reason we met up. That was no. just because it was convenient. We met up because we were going to hang out for probably the first time in five years we'd known each other, not for Mat Men purposes. If it was yeah. the first time that you'd met each other, well, sorry, first time you'd gone round uh, to the one's house. No, that had happened before, but again, for filming purposes. But it was the first just come over for dinner, uh, Jay's... Fiance, my wife. You've you ruined know, my gag. You've ruined my gag because you didn't <laughs> get there. Oh, sorry. What Shall we start going? again? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to think of another one. All right. Hey, now, hey. As gags go, it's pretty weak. It's pretty weak. It's pretty weak. I'm so right, sorry. So, Mark, maps for you. Uh, when did you discover that, you know what, maps sent a little shiver up your left leg? Uh, that's a good question. I kind of came to... I suppose my, my in with Matt Men was that I studied geography. And so I've always kind of, I've, I've always just been interested in the subject. And I, I wouldn't know why any better than I had a teacher who I got on with very well at school who was really good. Um, so I studied geography at university. And then I started doing stand-up after university and sort of made the act all about being a geography teacher. So, you know, kind of wearing the Tweedy jacket with elbow patches and sort of treating the audience a bit like they were in my classroom. Um, and it was kind of from doing that, knowing Jay from the stand-up circuit that he was also on doing a lot more musical comedy. And I was obviously aware of his YouTube channel, which was sort of quite geeky, play-space stuff. I thought it would be a good collaboration. That's not really answering your question, I suppose. I think <laughs> um, I think I definitely remember, I, I moved from Australia where I lived when I was quite young and I moved when I was quite young. And we had a very big map of Australia that was kind of remained on our wall when we moved, which I used to look at all the time because I missed it. I missed it because that was where I grew up. It's everyone I knew, knew was there. So I used to sort of, I definitely remember being about six, seven years old, looking at the map and going, that's where I used to live and that's where we used to go and blah, blah, blah. So I think that would probably be the first map spine shiver. <laughs> or as close to it as you can get. <laughs> and, and I think one of the great things is, is about map men is that, pair of you answer questions which I've always had but didn't realize that I had you know why does London have so many boroughs for argument's sake you know I went yeah why does it where is this kind of intuitive sense of the questions which people didn't know the needed answer and where did that come from I think it's important when you're making a video about something that's really quite very specific and geeky I mean, here, for example, we're in very good company. We all love staring at maps, but I'm always very conscious when we're making a video that it has to appeal to people that don't know yet that they love maps. And so we have to fill it with, with jokes and with silly things and with 
uh, non sequiturs and we have to structure it like a, an intriguing story with goodies and baddies and so on. And I think that's how we managed to get subjects that might seem boring to normal people, but by the time they got to the end of the episode, they go, I, I, I think I enjoyed that somehow. That's what we aim to do. It might also be that we're just good at thinking of clickbaity titles. I mean, that's the whole point of thinking of a clickbaity title that you go, oh, I do want to know the answer to that. And it's really, it's just the way we phrased it. <laughs> yeah, the title is often the very last thing we come up with. So it'll be often Mark that comes up with the um, the idea for what the episode will be about. And Mark has often done a huge chunk of the research, much more than I do. Um, but then we gradually sort of turn it into a funny video. And then the very, very last thing, sometimes the day before we press the upload button is, uh, what should we call this? What's a snappy title with a question mark that'll make people who don't yet know they're into it click on it? Yeah, I, I think that's the better way around. The to do one, which was around, you know, what, 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 how many continents and why? Um, and because when you learn, when I learned at school about how many continents there are, you just go, oh, it's that. And then to realize that different people learn different numbers and types of continents, um, it's kind of just completely eye-opening and you think oh god yeah actually that these ones don't make any sense anyway um you know I think hold it's on a minute well um there the latest episode of mat men addresses this um <laughs> yeah. most people are taught there are seven but depending on which part of the world you're in and depending on your interpretation of a continent there might be as few as five or four by one definition what what, what are your seven all right north america south america europe asia africa Australasia, Antarctica. Yeah, well, and now the plot thickens. Australasia. Because... What's Australasia? I mean, I, a lot of people have different names for that, right? Some people were taught that the continent was called Australia. Some people that was taught Australasia. Some people are taught Oceania. Uh, but and there's lots, of, and they actually all Listen, relate. To if FIFA things. says, right, <laughs> I'll go with FIFA. <laughs> I'll go with FIFA today. World Cup. <laughs> Well, what, we had a whole episode about this and the fact that if you say that those are the seven, uh, North and South America, well, why are they different? Because they're the same landmass. The Panama Canal doesn't count as an ocean between the continents. And therefore, you might say, well, I guess it must be because of tectonic plates. But if that's true, then you can't say that Europe and Asia are different continents. It therefore must be culture. But if that's true, then surely there's maybe 11, 12 or 713 continents and so on and so on. There's no, Look, what we discover rather unsatisfyingly is the that IOC, there's no satisfying answer. FIFA and convention. That's what I'm going by. Call me an That'll old do. stick in the mud. <laughs> yeah. That, you, well, just to say, at the very beginning of Map Corner, we had a bit of a disagreement about how many countries there are. And I think we uh, eventually went to, was it either the Olympic Committee or the United Nations as a basic United definition? United Nations. Though? Olympic yeah. Committee be all over the place. Yeah, That'll be your next community. How many countries? That, there you go. We're giving you a hot top top tip there we've yeah. had a bit of fun with this as well because there are obviously there are lots and lots of um self-proclaimed countries that aren't recognized by everybody and so that's why the number is it sort of it goes up and down depending who you ask and there's a lot of fun looking into the very small would-be countries that aren't recognized by anyone there's there's one country recognized only by its only inhabitant the uh, tiny uninhabited island of forvik in shetland which we, we had an episode all about it. So um, uh, do please check that out. Uh, so you have really eclectic content, like from literally small countries that come, will themselves into existence to like things about continents and, and place names and, and whatever. So what, how do you decide what you're going to do next? I think maps are just a, uh, are a really useful 
broad starting point to do to tell an interesting story and yes it is quite eclectic i think you could almost argue that's to its detriment like that there are definitely some youtube channels that are much more focused in the type of thing than in the way that they would approach it but for us we just we, we try to have a mix in each sort of series that we do we've sort of done three series of Mad Men now like we've tried to have some physical geography in there like the ones about tectonic plates we, we, we had one that was sort of where will the countries be 450 million years from now for instance or this continent one we were just talking about we tried to have some sort of historical ones that are sort of a map from the past um, and then we try to have some that are sort of I don't know just maybe a question that you've been thinking of like you were talking about earlier um, or, or, or just something that feels a bit more quirky maybe um, so we try to just have a mix so they don't all get too similar and feel the same. Plus, we get bored if they're all too similar. So, you know, the, the map as a thing is just a really useful window onto some story that we want to tell. And it makes it feel like it's already joined up. But it's not. <laughs> it's very random. Jay, you do lo- your content around un- the London stuff, which is right up my street because things like um, local authority boundaries is one of my nerdy quirks. Um, so your poem about the logos of London boroughs, I really enjoyed that. Um, so are there things where you go, no, 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 stay away. This is not a Mapmen thing. This I'm keeping this for the my London videos. Or, or do you ever argue about things where you want to have it for either? We've only ever had that discussion once. There was a topic that came up that could easily have been either Mapmen or Unfinished London. And I think the test was, is it something that requires... Um, uh, the two of us talking to each other when we're sat in our chairs in the set that we call Map HQ, or is it the sort of thing that perhaps is a bit too nerdy for Mapman? Is it a bit too London-centric? And it could have gone either way. Um, we ended up deciding that's going to be a future Unfinished London episode. But apart from that, um, the thing that makes Unfinished London different from Mapman, other than the absence of Mark, is that we're sort of not ashamed to make it extremely geeky and to make the question that we're asking unbelievably specific but then that's the fun challenge to take something such as why are the boundaries where they are in the 32 local authorities and to turn that into something that could actually pass for entertainment that that's something i really love to do i think with map men we tend to go for topics that have a bit of a broader appeal just to try and get more people to watch but haven't you both proven that everything doesn't matter how geeky it is is actually entertaining i think it can be i mean gone are the days of there's only four and a half channels where if you make something that's designed to be watched, it has to appeal to, you know, a good balance of people and it has to have a broad appeal. Whereas now that there's YouTube and there are, you know, there are more videos being uploaded every second than you can hope to watch. So there's no such thing as going too specific. You know, something will find an audience, even if it is very, very geeky. Yeah. I think it's also just a reflection of the fact that obviously I do map men with you and, Again, having like sort of done the geography degree, it ends up having a slightly wider, more global feel. Whereas, you know, your stuff, you, you know, you're so from London and you're you love London. You know it inside out. You know it incredibly well. You, you know, the videos write themselves for you. Um, whereas I don't I don't know. that. I'm not as interested as you are in, in that in, in just London and all those tiny little borders and things like that. So it just ends up, you know, being really it's kind of obvious which ones should be just left to you and which ones are Matman. But what's the episode you were talking about, Jay? What was the one we were discussing? Um, well, it's a, it's not much of a spoiler, but it's an episode all about the history of the tube map, which on the oh, one yeah. hand is a perfect topic for an episode of Matman because it's an iconic map 
And there's loads you can talk about it, about the fact that it's not really technically a map, it's a diagram and the whole debate around that. So it's an episode of Mapmen potentially, but it's also very much an episode about the specifics of London. So that was the only topic that we've ever come up with that we sort of couldn't quite decide immediately which way it should go. But apart from that, yeah, it's usually obvious um, which ones are about just London infrastructure only. There's also (laughs) a little bit of a history about cartography and and how um how graphics is actually uh taken over and how that's been in in a very kind of minimalist sense when did you kind of realize the pair of you that bloody hell we're onto something here you know all this stand-up comedy malarkey that's the passion but this is actually a job because whatever the secret source is gentlemen please tell claire and i because you know we need some of that filthy lovely youtube moolah it was a very slow and gradual thing. I remember when we first uploaded um, Mapmen, this is back in 2015, and uh, I remember being absolutely delighted that there was a, someone had left a comment on my YouTube channel. There was a complete stranger saying what they thought of the video, which I thought was marvellous. Um, and nowadays, after such a long time of just constantly uploading episodes of Mapmen, we now have quite literally too many comments to read, which is a wonderful thing. Um, but the only secret source I can really say is that... Um, uh, just doing it over and over again for years and, until it slowly grows. And I think we've been very lucky. I think you have a, Jay has a, does, Jay has a house style. I think I was, I was clearly coming to a channel that Jay already had. He had done unfinished London series and we didn't try to change it. We, we trying to make it quite, obviously it was like different topics and things, but we tried to keep it like a Jay Foreman video and appealing to the Jay Foreman market. So you definitely think, you know, I mean, you, you have a style. I'd, I'd say it's much more your style of almost humour and presentation than the kind of stuff I was doing before Matt Men, but I was able to adapt to the way you do things. And it was definitely a surprise, though. I mean, it, I, I, you say it took a long time, Jay, and I suppose it has obviously grown over time, but I definitely remember on the first videos being really surprised at how many people were watching them i mean i can't remember what those numbers were like but whatever it might have been thousands or something and we were just like oh my god people are watching it it's incredible and we didn't really think of it as a job then it was just a bit of fun we were just both interested in maps well it's important to point out that we actually we still don't consider it a job because uh, (laughs) mark still works making proper tv and i still work as a stand-up so map men is is, has always been even now it's a, a bit on the side in the best way it feels like that as well. It feels like you do it for the love of it, even though it's got like 2 million views. It's it's something that's come from because you wanted to do it in the first place. And how long does it take to put those videos together? Because they, they're quite complex. Well, we do them in batches. So the first time we did a series of Mat Men, there were six episodes in a row and we film uh, as much of it together, you know, efficiently as we can. For this last batch, uh, this last series of Mat Men, we did um, 11 in one go. So the entire process with all 11 episodes, um, it takes just over a year. Um, But the actual filming, the bit where we're sort of in front of the camera doing our silly sketches and so on, that's just a few weeks. And in the bit where the main bulk of the episode where we're sat behind those desks with all the maps behind us on the wall, that's one afternoon. And I tell you, the strangest thing is that when we edit them one a month, every time I start work on a new episode, I'm looking at footage that gets gradually longer and longer ago. So for example, the episode that I just started work on a couple of days ago, it's stuff that we filmed nearly a year ago. I was like, oh, I remember this. Oh, this this one will be good. I'd completely forgotten about this episode. So how did COVID impact on your filming then? Because you must, did you have to go sort of 
suspended during lockdown or? Actually, it really helped us because um, I wasn't working for about five months in, in, during kind of the first lockdown period, which is why we were able to get so many Matmans together. I was able to, I had time to do the research and write a lot of them. Jay wrote some too, but I wrote a, a few more, I suppose. And then we write them. Then we kind of spend a long time editing them together. Um, and then by the time they were finished, it was the summer and we had this little window where we were able to, we were allowed to film together. We never broke any rules doing the filming and we never, we also never had to delay any filming because of the rules. It just, it just worked so nicely. And then the second lockdown came in sort of December, January over here and you'd started editing by that point. So, you know, we, we, we do then film these adverts that we put on the end of each of the videos. Um, we usually film them as we're editing them. So they are kind of, uh, they haven't been done in the past, if you like. But we just came up with adverts that were either on Zoom or didn't require us to be in the same room and just filmed them ourselves remotely. So that was fine. I think we were very lucky there because we managed to come up with about seven or eight ideas for adverts where we don't need to be in the same room. And then just when we'd completely run out of ideas, <laughs> suddenly they lifted the lockdown and we were able to actually do one in the same room. And then you came over to my house for dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Very nice. Right. On that note, folks, because I'm running a tight ship today because we all know uh, that England are going to demolish the Ukrainians uh, later today. And we all need to be in front of our TVs. Don't we, Nick Roworth, to watch this, this historic moment as we glide into uh, the semifinals of the Euro Championships. Now, Sergio, uh, you're up next, sir. It's your audio postcard. Now, I'm not going to butcher your name, Sergio. So why don't you intro it for us by telling us exactly how to pronounce your wondrous name, sir? My name is Sergio Andres Mejia Tovar, but you can call me Sergio. Here we go. This is Sergio's audio postcard, and it's all the way from Bogota. Hello friends of Map Corner, Sergio here, and I'm located in 4 degrees 37 minutes north and 74 degrees 3 minutes west, which puts me in my home city of Bogota, Colombia, which is the capital of this country in South America. I'm specifically in the campus of my college, which is Saverian University, and I just wanted to talk to you today about some fun facts about this city. First of all, it's a very special city because it's very high up in the mountains, in a plain that is surrounded with mountains. We are currently on 2,600 meters above sea level, which is about 8,400 feet, and yeah, the mountains are some very important part of the city because, uh, as you might know, or well, I'm talking to you about now, we have a mountain range in the east of the city. In fact, the town, when Bogota was founded, was very uh, on the base of these mountains where some tiny rivers flowed. So that's why in all of the maps that you will see about Bogota, the east is on the top of the map, contrary to the common maps that the north is on the top. This is because, well, this mountain ridge is in the east, so the city is more large than white, and of course, it's spanning through the west, north, and south from these mountains. And these mountains are very high. You could go up to 3,200 meters above sea level, which is 10,300 feet for my fellow Americans. And this is one of the interesting things about the city. Other things are its population. We are 8 million people in this tremendous big city and it's like one-sixth of the total population of Colombia. And this has 
brought some problems, especially in transportation, because you have to move all these people around the town. You have to move them from the suburbs, where most of the people are live. These are very, very dense suburbs to the downtown and the center of the city. So currently, the main solution that Bogota has is its Transmilenio, which is a BRT, Bus Rapid Transit, which moves around 3 million people a day. And it spans all the city, as I, th as I already said. But this isn't enough because, well, now we have COVID-19 and the, the demand for transportation isn't as high. But, but normally, uh, this has always been crowded. There's an overcrowded problem here. And sometimes the travel times are so long. For example, I live very far in the suburbs. So, for example, to arrive here in, to my college, I spend around one hour or one hour and a half just to arrive here. And Bogota has no trains like suburban railways. No, because all the railways Bogota had were suspended in the 80s when demand fell for these uh, trains. Right now, however, we have some solutions that are being given. Uh, the main one is the first line of metro that is in construction right now and will be open around uh, 2027. Yeah, it's a very recent project, so it is just starting. Well, I think that's it for right now. I hope that I could give you some insight uh, about my city. And cheers, I'm now folding my map. That's, Thank uh, you, what yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, that was fantastic. Our first ever audio postcard from all the way from South America. Well done, Sergio. Props to you, Mr. Props. Uh, right, Mr. Mr. Matt Men, this is the, the bit of the show where um, we get our esteemed audience uh, to throw some hardball questions to you. They're like Jeremy Paxman, especially that Nick Roworth. You know, his questions are so bloody tricky. They'll try and catch you out and whatever. So be on your metal. So if you've got a question, Ronald, Nick, Sarah, Sergio, Abby or Fiona, uh, here's time for you to unmute your mics and, and ask a bit of YouTube royalty. You know, um, how did they become so big on the YouTubes? Or maybe a specific question about London or peculiar geographical quirks, which I might have uh, done on their videos. But I, I'm, I'm going to go first. Um, gents, have you ever um, done anything outside of the UK? And if not, why not? Well, when I used to do a lot more gigs and before all this happened, I would sometimes be lucky enough to be sent to places to do um, gigs. I, I did a gig once in Zagreb in Croatia, which was wonderful because the people that hosted us for the show, they took us for a walk around the city afterwards. They took us up into the mountains for what's meant to be a spectacular view of Zagreb. But we went on the cloudiest day of the year and saw absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you were asking that about us individually, but as, as a pair, we've never done anything in, in the UK. <laughs> we've only ever done the we've never done anything live so no we did get that nice email once that was well it was also quite strange and speculative from somebody who was based in tokyo saying do you want to come and do a thing here in japan and we were like yes and then there was covid <laughs> oh yeah that very nearly happened i think that was going to be um an advert for the japanese tourist board and um, that would have been that would have resulted in an all expenses paid trip to Tokyo. So I mean, we, we should, would have said yes to that. We should definitely happened. follow up on that when this is over. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I think my favorite. No, actually, there's a brilliant answer to this. The only thing that we've ever filmed for Mapmen, which yeah. was filmed abroad, was uh, when Mark travelled all the way to India to film the words here in India, and that was it. 
Wow. Although there's an important detail, which is that you were there already on holiday. Um, still, though, that <laughs> counts. We we hadn't we hadn't written the script. I was just I was obviously just there, and I just thought I'll just let's just film me saying a few lines that might end up being useful for Matt Men. So I was just said things like here in India, for example, in India, such as in India, I just was standing on the street saying these things, and then we crowbarred it into one of our episodes so that we could use it. What is it like the level of success for a video now? If you're, you know, because you know, there's like millions of views you guys get. You know, if you get a measly, if you get like half a million, you go, that's a disaster. Well, it's tempting to the video comes better out. Better than we ever do, by the way, even if you do yeah. half a million. Just putting this in totally within context. I still, to this day, I, I get this buzz of excitement every time there's anyone leaving a comment on a video. You know, if a complete stranger wants to say something about something we worked hard on, you know, that's still wonderful, even if the numbers are, you know, ridiculous compared to how they used to be. And the temptation is when a new video gets released to compare the stats. How is this doing compared to the other one? Is this good enough? But, you know, it's important to remember that if even one person has watched it and enjoyed it, well, uh, it's hard to say that it's it's all worth the trouble if one person watches it. If, if five people watch it, as, as long as if we're outnumbered by our audience, that that'll do. And also, it's another thing that probably is important to remember is that we shouldn't really pander to what we think the comment section wants to see. Like it is ultimately still something that we would want to watch ourselves, and I think it would still, you know, no matter how many or how few people watch Matt Men, it should be something that Mark and I would enjoy and would watch in our spare time. Okay. The other thing is when when do you when do you measure that point of success? Because different videos have very different trajectories. Some do very well in the first three days, and then sort of people lose their interest. Some don't do quite as well at the beginning, but then maybe a year later it catches on in the country that we've been talking about and spreads around that country, and that's happened. So it, there's no point at which we go, okay, this video has been a success or a failure, because they tend to just sort of build slowly over time. Really? This morning I watched one of those YouTube like person reacting to things videos. Mm. So it was some someone in America reacting to your video about British place names. Mm. And I think there's more than one of those. So like, you know, that actually it has almost like a second life in that yeah. the people have watched the video and then people have watched the video of people watching your video. That's how you measure success when you've got somebody doing a reaction video to you. That's success. So why uh, do people watch that? The egotist in me finds those videos very entertaining because it's always nice to see somebody else watching your video. I actually find those reaction videos, they're very useful because you can see how do other people uh, respond to things, which jokes landed. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Rich jokes didn't. You know, what do they not understand that you thought they might? Um, and yet, for anyone who's not either Mark or me, I don't understand why it's entertaining. We, I mean, we shouldn't really complain, mm-hmm. but um, if this is what the whippersnappers of YouTube want to watch, they're, they're more than welcome to. We're not famous for having whippersnappers uh, on our Zoom calls. And uh, just to prove that, we've got Ronald. He wants to ask you a question. Ronald, how young are you, sir? Are you a whippersnapper? Uh, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. But uh, so greetings from the London borough of Southwark. And going back to that proverbial question of the... Uh, 32 uh, London boroughs and uh, going back to that episode. So do we think that uh, just like in the 60s and 70s, will there be further amalgamation? So we'll we'll end up with, uh, I don't know, 12 uh, mega boroughs. Uh, As a side reference, I used to live at the tri-border of Brent, Westminster and Camden. And I used to have a laugh going back to the logos every day. I used to say, wave to the Westminster si- uh, sign that said, thank you for visiting Westminster. And I found that hilarious. But we'll Funnily that. enough, that's exactly where I used to live as well, on that exact tri-point. <laughs> Which is made a hill. Yeah. Well, what do you know? We probably lived around the corner from each other. Jay, I'm going to let you answer the question about what will happen to the boroughs in the future, because I don't know. We discussed this briefly in the episode about how the boroughs were formed and uh, where they're going. Um, I think the borough boundaries have remained the same for really quite a long time. And I think they're quite resilient. There was um, in 1994, they did a boundary review where they had these radical suggestions, for example, that the borough of Brent might disappear and be shared between Harrow and Ealing and so on. And absolutely none of them came to fruition. And I think that's going to carry on for some time. I imagine there will probably still be 32 boroughs 50 years from now. But but who am I to predict these things? Can I make a prediction from just being a person who works in local government and being geeky about it? Yes, please. Um, which is that increasingly across other parts of the country, we're seeing the, the shared services collaboration and mergers of other local authority areas um, and yeah, there's uh, quite a lot of it going on in Suffolk at the moment. We've seen bits in other places, Central Bedfordshire near where I live is, uh, is just, well, that was part of a unitary thing. But anyway, um, you know, just for practical and financial reasons, there is a lot more of that joint working and occasional mergers going on. So it's not impossible where there are already ex- very specific working relationships across groups of boroughs in London. Um, I could see that being a direction of travel, but it isn't something I, I think it's going to be one of those things that's organic, like it's been in other places rather than mandated from the top. I think it's going to be really hard to mandate that kind of thing from the top. I think it might just be more there. boroughs choose to do that sort of thing and then sometimes choose not to because wasn't the tri-borough stuff with Kensington and Chelsea and various others that sort of happened and then unpicked again. So, you know, I think they, they make those active choices. Something that we do very well in this country. Well, something that Britain is quite well known for is that we have lots and lots of different layers on top of each other. For, for example, local authorities, postcodes, um, parliamentary constituencies, 
and traditional counties and so on and so on. And they almost never follow the same lines. And so it's really easy to get confused. We actually, there's an episode coming up later this year that Mark and I have done all about the difference between counties that are traditional and ceremonial and administrative and so on and so on. It's an absolute minefield. And I think this was the hardest one to research. So um, I'm looking forward to how people respond to that video because I know people can get very het up when it comes to counties. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm quite attached to to the West Midlands myself, but that's because I'm a child of the 70s and the 80s. But according to my mum and dad, they still live in Warwickshire. You know, this like, yeah. Anyway, and then don't even get me started on the royal town of Sutton Coalfield. We still this think is exactly the sort of geeky thing that our episode addresses. And I'm so glad that we're in good company. Here. <laughs> you are absolutely. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but I have, a, I have a childhood memory of when I lived in Swindon as a kid on the Point West local news. There was a whole group of people who were singing a song about how they they belonged to Somerset, not to Avon, when they were doing some local government reorganisation. <laughs> they were being moved out of Somerset and into Avon and they didn't like it. And there was a song and everything. Um, so, yeah, you might be able to trawl back through the BBC archives and find that. It must have been about oh, about 82 or something like that. I don't know. A uh, long time that ago. Genuinely sounds interesting enough that we might rewrite the episode to include it, because that's exactly the sort of thing we need. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know why I remember it. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what I have remembered to do, uh, the quiz. Though, um, there are no answers um, as slides but Claire is going to remember them all Jay or, or Mark because all these questions come from their wondrous most excellent uh, or inspired by episodes of there you go inspired by episodes of their YouTube-ness right so uh, first one the map of Mundi where in the map of Mundi will you find Belemerus a humanoid creature with no head and facial features on their chest uh, on the map of Monday, are they in Europe, Africa or Asia? I think I know this, but Claire, these were devilish, uh, devilish uh, this week. Now, remember, don't forget, folks, um, if you're listening to the podcast, you've got to like get onto Zoom and then you can actually participate in this in real time. And maybe uh, you can knock Ken McDonald off his off his perch uh, because um, he normally wins it um, most months. And the winner gets the accolade of doing um the audio postcard so i've got a sneaky feeling nick because there is no ken this might be your month but then again ronald is looking pretty sharp today pretty sharp all right so question number two enclaves how many enclaves were regularized into their host country in an agreement between india and bangladesh in 2015 claire these are so hard uh, was it a 137 b 173 or was it c 200 you're obsessed with enclaves i thought you. i don't know how many there were i know there's a lot and they were like double enclaves or enclaves within enclaves and uh it was a terrible situation whereby these people couldn't even go go to schools and stuff because you know the schools weren't in it was just terrible terrible and india and bangladesh sorted this out to in large part but how many enclaves were uh, written off the map when they regularised the border. Was it 137? Was it 173? Was it 200? I don't know how many were, Claire. I just find enclaves fascinating. And another thing about enclaves, and uh, we're talking about um, local government, there are so many enclaves in America. 
in terms of local government. You'd think this is a medieval thing, a leftover, but so many um, uh, cities and, well, they're always cities over here. They don't have such things as towns. So many cities have like cleaved away for tax reasons from the surrounding uh, kind of big city. And, um, and you have enclaves all over the place. So within Oakland, there is an enclave called Piedmont and it's and, and basically these people these people in Piedmont do want do not want to pay their taxes to Oakland anyway I move on I move on because times are ticking we've got 17 minutes before uh, our YouTube royalty need to start uh, organizing themselves for the footy Cassini's triangulation of France how many generations of Cassini's family worked on the triangulations of France was it a four b five or c six? How many of Cassini's uh, generations of Cassini's families worked on the triangulations of France? Was it A, four, five, six? No, A, four, B, five, C, six. Got there. Right. Number four, time zones. Oh, I love me a time zone. This is the only question I absolutely knew, Claire. This is how fiendish these are. Time zones. Which of these countries have not changed from one side of the international date line to another? Was it A, Samoa, B, the Philippines, or C, Fiji? Which of these countries has not changed from one side of the international date line to another? Is it A, Samoa, B, the Philippines, or C, Fiji? Question number five. Paper towns and trap streets. How did, how am I pronouncing that? Aglo? Yeah. Yep, right. In New York, go from being a place to a real settlement was it because they built a railway station there i actually do remember watching this video now b a traffic light was installed or c a shop was built there so where did this place called aglo yeah in new york go from being a fictional to a real settlement was it uh because a railway station was put there a traffic light was installed or c a shop was built and i think i know the answer because i think i watched that video right the south china sea despite having no indigenous inhabitants how many countries currently claim the areas of the spratly islands lots of geopolitical kerfuffle going on here is it a five b six or c seven how many countries around the the spratly islands are claiming it is it a five b six or c seven question number seven um how many countries does wikipedia list as having a north south divide Whew. is it a five b ten or c fifteen claire you outdid yourself this month <laughs> all right and now jay and mark we're obviously expecting that you pair are going to ace this and i say this every month and every month the person who fundamentally uh the quiz questions are done in their honor they always get like the more correct so no pressure gentlemen no pressure all right last question antarctica which country has the largest territorial claim in antarctica is it the united kingdom or is it B, Australia, or is it C, Norway? Which country has the largest territorial claim in Antarctica? Is it the United Kingdom? Is it Australia or is it Norway? There you go, folks. We're going to have to come back to these at the end. But uh, wow, Claire, these seem to get harder and harder every month. Uh, you've definitely, definitely outdone yourself. 
properly fiendish, I could categorically say I knew one answer there. The rest, pure guesses. Uh, yeah, so, hmm. I I'll, make it, I'll try to well make it easier next month. Good. Right. Now, talking about next month, let's deal with this month. Do we have um, any any kind of socials we need to report on? Yeah, just a couple of quick things. Uh, so on the Mapped Corner hashtag on Twitter, um, we had a great map just posted uh, in the last couple of days, actually, by uh, Magic and Mungos, uh, who've, who's posted a map about who do European nations joke about the most? And I'm going to hold fire on details because I've got that coming up in my map fact of the month at the end of the show. Uh, and then the other thing on the uh, Twitters is that um, I could totally recommend the hashtag maps in the wild because that's a good place to get lost for a long time where people are just posting pictures of maps in the wild. And it can literally be anything from a coffee cup to a really good example of a map on a in a museum or something but um that's a lot there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great content on the hashtag maps in the wild so recommend that one for map corner folks over on our facebook page we've now up to 392 members of the facebook group so we're nearly at 400 tell a few friends we'll be there by next month i should imagine i tell um, you what i tell you what clear you know what we need to do we need to get jay and mark to tell their people on their channel yeah there's yeah. millions of them yeah exactly that'll up the numbers somewhat Absolutely. So uh, the, the most discussion this month was uh, on the post which uh, was done by Daniel Gerber, who posted the one with the county flags from uh, Liberia. It was a vexillology one, which, because as you know, we love a map. Uh, we love a flag on uh, Map Corner. Um, and goodness me, aren't those flags like some of those look like they're very poor graphics from a 90s computer game um and uh, very strange county flags in liberia definitely worth a look on the on the facebook link there um and we also had quite an interesting sort of socio-political discussion on the uh, map i posted around nations which have a coastal capital because we got into quite the debate about what's what's coastal and what's a port and there's a port coastal even if it's not on the coast and what does it mean and what's the implications of colonialism and so yeah that got quite, that got quite uh, exciting at one point so um definitely another one to, to to look at and contribute to so um that's some of the highlights that's been going on in the in the group so you know stay involved send us maps that you like onto the facebook group and uh, we all like to share the content there and have a bit of a chat oh exactly we all like a little bit of a chat Right, surprising why we do do this on Zoom. It's awesome to have a little bit of a chat, isn't it, Fiona, over there in Pennsylvania? You definitely like to chat. No point laughing and shaking your head without unmuting. Come on, you're you're quite verbose, Fiona. Uh, a little too verbose. Come on, Royfield, just a little too verbose. But thanks for the opportunity to 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 be able to pop on and speak to the map men. I, I love their videos. And the reason why I got so excited, if you're on Zoom, about the uh, Somerset um, Avon thing is I lived in the village of Loxton at the time, which had, was in Somerset. Loxton is in Somerset. And it became Avon, and nobody liked it, including the postmaster, who had a fit. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. I did want to ask a very quick question of the map men about where they get their ideas from. Uh, their ideas are amazing and they're very unusual. Do these ideas just spring to mind? Do you, do you look at maps and then go, oh, that's a great idea. Where do your ideas come from? 
I think Mark and I have a different approach for uh, where episode ideas come from, because I think the best way to sum it up is that um, Mark reads a lot of books and knows the answers to things and decides this will make a great story. Whereas the episodes that I tend to write are more based on questions that I don't yet know the answer to until I've done the research. So I think that's why nine times out of 10, a Mad Men episode is based around something that Mark has come up with. Sometimes now as well, it genuinely is from people saying, sending us an email and saying, isn't this interesting? And we go, yeah, we, I, don't think that, I don't think we've done that yet, but I think there have been people who've emailed since we wrote the last series with some th- thoughts. So I was like, actually, that is, that's, that's properly good. That. So we might start stealing ideas. <laughs> there was one time when we did an episode that was originally planned to be about one thing. And then a small tangent ended up turning into such a big, wonderful tangent that it spun off into an episode all of its own. Yeah. So that was the, um, uh, so we originally were going to have an episode all about why British place names are so hard to pronounce. And it was going to have just a really small aside. By the way, there's this map, which is spelt with um, Polish phonetics. Isn't this mad? What a strange thing just to prove how hard things are to pronounce. But then my wife was reading a draft of our script and says, hang on, I want to know where that Polish map came from. Why don't you look into that story? And so Mark bought a book all about it and realised this is so fascinating. This has to be an episode all of its own. And I'll just end with a little bit of praise. So many times YouTube videos, they have a great idea, but then they just go on too long. And, you know, that old adage leaves them wanting more. I always end one of your episodes just wanting more, which is a good thing. That's, That's so really, kind of you. Thank you. That is Jay's ruthlessness, I will say. Uh, he's very good with that. I definitely have a tendency to be like, let's leave in this. It's good. It's funny. Or it's interesting. And Jay's like, no, cut it for pace. And he's absolutely right. There are quite a lot of things. Like, If you're a member of Patreon, you get to see the behind the scenes stuff and deleted scenes. There aren't very many of them, but there are lots of things that, you know, they are good and they're interesting but the episode is better without it because we have to focus what's the question we're answering, what's the episode about, how do we keep in the all-important non-map nerds, you know, the people that will keep watching. So that's why I love chucking stuff out. And, I'm, you know, it's a, it's, sometimes it's very difficult to you know, kill one of your babies and to keep the episode really, you know, shorter than you'd like it to be. But I think it is worth it in the end. Mm, yes. Very much in the audience of map nerds here, to be fair. <laughs> True that. But also, we're also in, in the audience of uh, the England football team about to play the Ukrainians. And uh, people need to uh, get themselves situated, as they say over here in, the, in these United States, for the match. So pacing has been key to this episode yes. of Match. And I'm, I've got my answers up, so I'm ready to you know, lay them on you. Right. Tell you what, why don't we do the map fact of the month first, then we'll do the answers, then we'll fold up our maps. Okay, right. So the map fact of the month this month is that across Europe, when you look at where which countries make jokes about other countries. So, for example, in most of the UK, the nation we most joke about is the Irish and vice versa. Uh, The Spanish joke about the Portuguese, the Portuguese joke about the Spanish. The only country in the whole of Europe who joke about themselves most is the Italians. And a lot of theories are that this relates back to the whole North-South divide thing because North Italians joke about Southern Italians and Southern Italians joke about Northern Italians. And hence within Italy, most jokes that like make jokes about a nation are within their own nation. But uh, other people joke about other nations. 
that makes a whole load of sense i'll never forget the first time i went to italy my girlfriend at the time plonked me in front of the tv with her dad he couldn't speak a word of english i couldn't speak a word of italian and on the news they were talking about immigranti immigranti like this and and i turned to her and says where are all these immigrants coming from she lived in turin so the family in turin she went uh southern italy oh they're all coming to northern italy i went and they call them immigrants she went well they are so yeah, the whole idea of Italians being so, I was totally, totally blue. I said, you wouldn't call somebody from like Newcastle, moved to Birmingham, an immigrant. Yes, would you not? I went, no. They, I was like, but yes, anyway, totally understand that makes a whole load of sense. Now, folks, um, it is the time where um, we uh, basically going to crown somebody as being our uh, map corner uh, nerd of the month. And they will win the accolade of uh, getting to do next month's audio postcard so this is a a well a well trod honor uh so the first question the map of monday where in the map of monday would you find the how am i pronouncing this claire i'm gonna say blemies um a humanoid creature with no head and with facial features on their chest claire the answer is it's b africa i i guessed that but it was a guess uh Number two, how many enclaves were regularized into their host country in an agreement between India and Bangladesh in 2015? And the answer is Mr. Well, it's kind of a trick question. <laughs> Claire, Claire, Mr. Foreman. Um, am I allowed to go and watch Map Men to revise? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. Well, I thought it was over 200. So I'm going to say 200. Claire. Okay, so. Uh, according to my source, it was 173, but there were 27 counter enclaves, which are the enclaves within the enclaves. So together there's 200. So they're sort of both right. So if you add B or C, I'll give you a point. Boom. Well done, Mark. Well done, Mark. <laughs> Shame on you, Jay. Shame on you. Uh, <laughs> Cassini's triangulation of France. How many generations of the Cassini family worked on these triangulations? Uh, Jay. What's the answer? Uh, I do remember this answer. The answer is four. And the reason I know it's four is because we referred to one of them as Cassini Junior, Junior the second. That's correct. Boom. Four. Boom. Well done, sir. Time zones. It's the only one I are absolutely new. Um, which of these countries have not changed from one side of the international dateline to another? Uh, Mark, would you like to hazard a guess? No, I wasn't sure on this one, but... Samoa has. I think it's Philippines. I think so too, Claire. And the answer is? The answer is Fiji, because the what? Philippines moved like real, like 100 years ago. Did it? Ah, oh, I didn't know that. Good gosh. I got the same wrong answer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very good company, Jay. Well, it was also a bit of <laughs> Right. Paper towns and trap streets. How did Alglo and New York go from being a fictional to a real settlement? Uh, which one of the map gentlemen would like to hazard a guess as to the answer? Uh, I, I remember this one. Uh, the answer, uh, if the story is true, is C, a shop was built. That's correct. Well done. I no. used to know the story of where the name Aglo came from, because I think it's a um, uh, it's an acronym based on the names of the people that made yeah. the map. I'm just very quickly looking up the it Wikipedia was, it now was to two, see if it was it's two there. Sport, it was two sports teams, like Go Blue and... Do you remember that? 
That's another story. There was um, uh, someone had made a map that said Go Blues and uh, okay. OSU. And they okay. was, um, yeah, we very nearly put those in the episode. And then we discovered at the last minute that they don't actually count as trap streets because it was extremely obvious that they weren't supposed to be there. It was written entirely in lowercase and, you know, just off the margins of the map. Um, I can't find the origin of Aglo, but uh, look it up. Apparently, it's an interesting story. Right. I just really admire the dedication that you've got. You're coming on the podcast and you're actually actively Googling whilst whilst being our guest to give us additional answers. I'm very impressed. I'm glad you're not referring to it as cheating. <laughs> South China Sea. Despite having no indigenous inhabitants, how many countries currently claim air, the areas of the Spratly Islands? Uh, this is another tricky one. Um, which one of the map gentlemen would like to hazard a, a guess? Unless you I'll, absolutely... I'll have a guess. I was trying to count them up because I don't remember the answer because this was one we did about six years ago. <laughs> uh, and, and also, I think it depends on whether you consider Taiwan to be a country or not. So it comes back to that. But I think if you do, seven. I think. All right. Let, let, so I tried to do this. I went, so the Philippines will, China will, because that's what the big kerfuffle is all about. Let's move on Taiwan for, for the moment. I know that Brunei does. Vietnam definitely does. I'm going to go. And if Brunei does, Malaysia, yeah. Indonesia. Right. So I've got six. It's six or seven. Claire, the answer is? Well, according to my source, it's six, which is if you count Taiwan. So Malaysia, Taiwan, oh. China, Philippines, Vietnam and Brunei. So you're pretty good there, Royfield. Okay. All right. So I didn't, Indonesia, I, that was wrong. Right. Smashing. Let's move on. Uh, North-South divide. How many countries does Wikipedia list as having a North-South divide? I have utterly no idea. Um, Mr. Foreman. I'm going to hazard a guess at 15 because based on the comment section of our video where we say, does your country have a North-South divide? And so many people come up with them. Um, so I'm going to say 15 and uh, I hope it's not wrong because that will be embarrassing. Well, it might also be because the people who comment on your videos have not made the effort to write Wikipedia articles about it. So, <laughs> oh, no. But actually, they are Belgium, Italy, China, Korea, Taiwan, United States, United Kingdom and also, and Vietnam, but also England, Wales, Scotland and Ireland. So whether you consider how many of those overlap with each other, I don't know. But that's the 10 that are listed on Wikipedia. Mm, fair enough. I mean, my street has a north-south divide. We're all <laughs> jealous of the gardens on the south side. Yeah, are we, uh, are we embarrassing ourselves in the Mat Men quiz? You, you, you yeah. really are. You really are. Well, to be fair, not all of the content's based on the actual videos. It's kind of inspired by... Oh, Claire, so don't, don't get them off the hook. Uh, Phoebe <laughs> last week, last month, nailed every last one. Just saying. No, she did just very saying. well. I feel terrible. Um... <laughs> Antarctica. You should know this because this is easily from the video. You can get this. Which country has the largest territorial claim in Antarctica? And the answer is, which one of the map dudes would like to answer? Do you I know, Jay? Like, no, I feel like I should know this because I spent ages staring at the screen and doing the graphics. I would guess Australia, right? You're right. I think so too because yeah. Australia sort of spans on both sides of the French claim. So that probably yeah, means I it's the largest now. Probably Australia. Good, thank God. Yeah. And on a high. <laughs> right. So there, there, there are your answers. So um, I'm going to um, to the uh, map corner posse who are in effect. Right, Fiona, are you in effect this month? All right. 
cool right smashing um who has got unmute unmute your mic who got all eight correct seven i did you got seven fiona my god fiona do you want a job writing on the next series or? <laughs> <laughs> well you could do a lot worse than fiona she's brilliant Wow. Well, Fiona, I know you're a busy woman working on your uh, NPR station over there in, in Pennsylvania, but you've now landed the task of doing an audio postcard. I'm thrilled. I'm going to talk about Pennsylvania, my adopted home of Pennsylvania, the unknown Pennsylvania. I, Excellent. I thought you might uh, do that. Right, folks, <laughs> there's been another blockbusting, rip-roaring, uh, Matt Corner, uh, Matt Men. Uh, podcast for you of which if you join us on facebook then you get the link and you can uh, you know watch along too and watch it all be live so claire is it time for us to fold up our maps it's time for us to fold up our maps and watch the footy if you like right folks uh jay foreman mark cooper jones uh thank you for gracing us uh with uh, your presence uh youtube royalty uh we could only but ever wish to have um, a tenth a twentieth of your of your uh, download figures maybe one day we, we might just do that but thanks for coming on chaps and thank you uh, for being uh, great sports and telling thank us thank you very much for having us thank well, you. You know, we, we had to really you know after sending that speculative email you said yes the least we could do then is follow up and actually put you on the podcast but thanks again alright folks um, come on England three lines on the chest all of that We'll see you all next month for another barnstorming episode of uh, Map Corner. Claire, I'm folding up my map. What are you doing with yours? I'm folding mine up too. Thanks, Matt Men. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.